Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cards.com. It's magical. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Big Sider Radio. This is Zach, and I'm joined by Joshua House. Unfortunately, we don't have our trusted sidekick with us tonight, Aaron Sion. He has some family stuff going on that he needs to take care of. But Josh and I will be with you tonight, and that is all you need to get your latest Dolphins news, information, analysis, and yes, one hell of a good time as you listen to this podcast, whether it's on Thursday morning, Friday morning, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, Sunday before the Dolphins take on the Los Angeles Chargers, or any time in between there. So what we're going to do for you on this episode of Finstatter Radio. We've heard our solo episodes this week, and then I will have another solo episode episode out for you on Friday morning, just kind of giving you one last look at the Dolphins versus Chargers game. Not really too much coming out of Dolphins camp this week, Josh. Um, a few little minor injury notes. Um, you know, Asador out for the season. Isaiah Ford promoted to the 53-man roster. Nothing really groundbreaking, nothing that's going to move the needle at all. Josh Rosen once again named the starter after having a decent Week 3 performance against the Dallas Cowboys in which the Dolphins lost their 6-31. to But they were in the game for at least the most of the first half, and honestly, if things went the right way, if Preston Williams didn't have a drop, or, or if other things happened there in, in between, it could have been a whole different ball game going into halftime. But how do you know, it was kind of funny. I found myself rooting for the Dolphins to pull off the victory on Sunday against the Cowboys, and I'm not sure what quite got into me, as I know that is not the plan. But it's hard as hell when you're watching your team on a Sunday to not root for them to win the game. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was the Josh Rosen effect. You know, maybe it was because we got this 22-year-old quarterback in there, and, you know, if the Dolphins hit on him, all those other picks and all that cap space – can then be used to build around him. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. Maybe it was the way, you know, they went out there and actually looked like a real football team. They competed much into the, what, second half. They they went into halftime 
and they were, uh, you know, right there. They should have actually been up if the if Preston Williams would have had that catch, and you know, a couple other things would have went their way. But the Dolphins, so many self-inflicted wounds. But I was there with you. I mean, for as much as we talk about Tank for Tua and what's best for this franchise moving forward, I was also rooting for the Dolphins, and I think a lot of that did have to do with Josh Rosen. It did, and I want Josh Rosen to succeed. As I've mentioned plenty of times on this show and on Twitter and all over the place, it is in the Dolphins' best interest for Josh Rosen to ball the hell out and to lead his team to five or six wins. Forget anything about Tank for Tua or, you know, lose for love or, or honk for Herbert. I don't even know if honk for Herbert's uh, it's, <laughs> I think I think it's I, I've heard suck for the duck also, but honk for Herbert. Duck. Okay, honk, honk for, for Herbert. That sounds like pretty good. I'm going to start with that one. <laughs> <laughs> You're driving your car or whatever. You see Herbert on the side of the road. Oh, beep, beep. Um, anyways, you know, forget all of that. It is in the Dolphins' best interest for Josh Rosen to become a franchise quarterback. And you could say two is a once-in-a-generational talent, and he might be. And he looks like he could be. But at the same time, you look at all the Super Bowl winners, right? Tom Brady, sure, once in a generational talent. Uh, but you look at guys like Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, um, and uh, who else won the Super Bowl? I mean, Jerry Goff didn't win it, but he was in the Super Bowl. Calvin Kaepernick was in the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. You don't need to be necessarily a once in a generational talent to win a Super Bowl. If you have a strong team around you, you can certainly do that. Obviously, if you have a once-in-a-generational quarterback, it makes things a hell of a lot easier. But just imagine, as I, as I said it before, let's say the Dolphins can use all three of their first-round picks to build around Josh Rosen because he has proven to be the franchise guy. Don't write off Rosen just yet. It was one game. He admitted to misidentifying the mic on a few plays, admitted to making mistakes, not taking the right reads. Do not... Do not, do not write him off after one game. Let the season play out. Let the college season play out, because now all of a sudden you got other quarterbacks in the mix, such as, you know, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrows. I don't think either of them will make their way up to number one status, but they're climbing up the boards. And then you got a guy like Jordan Love, who is also in the conversation now, as one of the top quarterbacks being taken, you don't know who's going to be the number one guy taken off the board at the quarterback position yet, just yet. You know, just let it play out. Relax. I'm not yeah, sure I, where I was going with all of that, how it's like, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I forgot what we were talking about before that. Well, basically, I think what you were saying is, you know, it's way too early to, you know, have a verdict on what Josh Rosen is. Everyone wants to be right. Everyone wants to, you know, be the first one to say, I told you so. But the guy has 13 games left. He looked light years better than what we saw from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sure, they protected him better. Uh, you know, they probably made a lot quicker reads, and they, they just built the game plan around what he was good at and kind of, you know, I don't want to say dumbed it down, but, you know, they kind of went out there and had a game plan that he executed pretty well. And, I mean, I was a big Josh Rosen stand. You were a big Josh Rosen stand. We thought yeah. the world of this guy in the draft, and he came in there, and, I mean, he did better than even I anticipated. I mean, maybe my expectations are far lower, but the guy went out there, and, I mean, you can compare him to what we've had in years past, and he just looks like a guy that if you could build things around him or give him time and, and things could work out, that he could have the potential to be a you know a, a franchise-changing quarterback. Unfortunately for Josh Rosen, they're just not doing enough this season to 
support him. And I think, you know, we're talking about they have, they have three draft picks, and you're talking about all these quarterbacks that are slowly starting to, to get into the mix. And there's the Herberts and the Fromms and, you know, the Hurts and Burroughs, and there's different guys that are going to emerge because last year at this time, you know, many people weren't talking about Kyler Murray. He kind of came out of nowhere. You know, he was one of those guys, you know, keep an eye on this guy. But he slowly built his way up, built his draft, you know, value up, and he went number one overall. I, I think the Dolphins, though, it is in their best interest and – as much as I'd love to see Josh Rosen succeed, I do think it's in their best interest to head into that draft this year and to have an idea of who their guy is. And we know that Tony Pauline, a guy that's now at Pro Football Network, you know, we heard last year, I think it was this time, you know, he said the Dolphins were in on Herbert. You know, Chris Greer was at the game on Saturday, you know, evaluating Justin Herbert. They've done their research on Love. They've done their research on Frump. They have put themselves in position here to, you know, go out there and to get that franchise-changing quarterback. And worst-case scenario, I always look back to San Diego. You know, they had Drew Brees, they had Phillip Rivers. That's your best-case scenario. Like that, you have, you should have no reason to be upset to bring in a quarterback and to have him compete with Josh Rosen because Josh Rosen's 22 years old. You know, we've seen quarterbacks take longer time to develop than Josh Rosen. He was on a terrible team last year. He's on a very, very terrible team this year. I think you're right. Give him time. So let's see what he can do. But I don't know that the Dolphins are going to do that. I think they will draft a quarterback next year in the first round. Then he can come in and compete with Josh Rosen. But people just need to stop being so damn adamant about being right or, you know, I told you so. Josh Rosen's 22. I don't care if he misidentified the Mike linebacker. I don't care that he missed some reads. He was a little late with some of his throws. He looked better than anything that we've seen from Ryan Fitzpatrick since he signed here. And that's the end of the story. I mean, if it was a true competition, we talked about it all offseason, Josh Rosen should have been that guy. He went out there and proved that against a very good Dallas team. So, so let's see what he can do. Like you said, if he wins four or five, five or six games, you know, at that point, I don't even know if you even look at quarterback. Because if you can win five games with this roster, you, you know, you deserve a long-term deal in my <laughs> I don't think he'll get that far. But even if you win two or three games, you get away from that number one pick, then they don't get to it. Then what do they do? You know, Chase Young, there's other options there. Way too early in the year. Let's let things play out. Let's let, it's in our best interest, like you said, to have Josh Rosen succeed in Miami. It's in his best interest, too, because if you really think about it and break it down, the more wins he gets, the less chances the Dolphins have of drafting a quarterback. So for Josh Rosen to get to the Dolphins to five to six wins and knock them out of that quarterback range would be invaluable to him to make sure the Dolphins you do use those picks to build around them. But, yes, like you said, there's a lot of season left. You know, looking at the Pro Football Network offensive share metric grades, and this is a new formula we have over at Pro Football Network, um, you know, this takes into account the the um, how much how much responsibility is given to an individual player based on their contribution to the offense. Let's say so. For example, Tom Brady throws a three-yard screen pass to Julian Edelman, who then runs sixty yards for a sixty-three-yard touchdown, right? Or whatever it is. Tom Brady in the box score and in the passer rating gets all the credit for everything. He gets the credit for the screen pass. He gets the credit for every tackle Julian Edelman broke in the open field. He gets credit for Julian Edelman making it to the end zone. The offensive share metric from Pro Football Network talks about all of that but takes all the individual responsibility away in terms of what happened during a play. So with OSM, Tom Brady would only be credited for that three-yard screen pass. He wouldn't be credited for anything after the receiver catches the ball or the running back catches the ball. Only what is in, you know, their control. So, you know, whatever stats you want to look at, whatever weights you want to look at, 
that's kind of how OSM is decided. So when you look at that in terms of Miami players, it's obviously, as you would probably expect, not great. Um, Josh Rosen at 11.6 week three. Kenyon Drake overall for the season 3.86, which is extremely low. Mike Jazicki, Jakeem Grant, decent at 34 and 30.5, respectively. Preston Williams is the guy you need to keep your eye on there. 27.67 OSM grade. And, and while the, uh, the OSM is kind of graded out of 100, the chances of anyone even breaking 50 or 60, we haven't seen anyone break 60, but the chances of even someone breaking 50 are very rare. And that is elite level for that week. So don't think that just because, you know, don't think of a traditional. 100-point scale, look at it more as like a 50-ish point scale there. But um, keep your eye on Preston Williams. Devontae Parker is 17 overall, OSM grade. I think Preston Williams, I think we've seen the chemistry he has with Rosen. I think we see the commitment to the, the team that he has and the team's commitment to him. And I think if he keeps it up, he can certainly surplant Parker by the end of the season. What are your thoughts, House? Yeah, that's a guy that, you know, we've all kind of been high on throughout the training camp. And, I mean, he was that guy throughout camp and preseason that you were just kind of enamored with. You know, you kind of started to see the potential that we saw from several other receivers, you know, throughout camp. You know, Legadu Nene, you know, he was a guy who Omar Kelly absolutely loved. There are other guys, you know, Ricardo, uh, what was his name? Ricardo, oh, damn. Mar- Marlon Mack. We'll, we'll skip to Ricardo. Was it Ricardo Lockett? <laughs> I, I don't remember. Yes, it Ricardo Lockett. You know, we've had all these guys who just came in. Patrick Turner, I remember him. He was a guy that we thought could be something. They used a third-round pick on him. But Preston Williams is finally that big number one receiver that the Dolphins have yearned for for many years. And, you know, you just keep seeing him develop this rapport with Rosen. And even when Fitzpatrick was in there, I mean, he's a game-changer. And you look at these metrics and you kind of can see that he's trending upwards. And he is that guy, you know, he's nicknamed the Unicorn, the Glitch. If he comes down with some of those catches, you know, he has a couple touchdowns that he left, you know, on the field. And if he comes down with those, things are a lot different. He's probably looking at towards the top of the entire league as far as re- as a receiver is concerned. But he's he's one of the most prominent. He might be the most promising player on the roster right now, to be completely honest, because, you know, what else do you have? You mentioned yeah. Kevin Drake. He's been abysmal. Kalen Balazs is nothing. I mean, he, he's been no. even more disappointing than Drake. Josh Rosen's look good. The offensive line, interchangeable. You know, Jasicki, you mentioned having a pretty high number there. You know, he was one of the better graded players, if I'm not mistaken, on the Dolphins this season. Jakeem Grant really hasn't done anything since signing that contract. So you go through the offense and you look, and there's Preston Williams. So he's the guy you definitely got to monitor throughout the rest of the season. Watch him develop because I do think that he's going to be that Brandon Marshall, that big body receiver that when things start to break down, they can throw the ball up there and he's going to go up there and make a play. He's the Devontae Parker that we all thought we'd eventually have. It just never showed up. Interesting point on Kalen Belazer. He doesn't even qualify for PFN OSM. Um, and, and based on the next-gen stats, so PFN OSM uses the next-gen stats qualifying method just to remove any bias or whatever. So there says minimum of 20 total attempts through week three. So to not even have that for Belage and for the Dolphins coaching staff to hype him up so much to the point where they thought he was the surefire lock dead starter going into this season, and then they see, okay, he's not producing, why is that? So that's a little nerve-wracking for the Dolphins, I'm sure, so we can only hope that Kalen Belage turns this thing around and proves that he can certainly handle the number one lead black responsibilities while, you know, it's just 
Kenyon Drake is gone after the season, so his contract is up, and, and I'm sure the Dolphins want to see what Balazs had and if they can safely move on from Drake, but by all accounts, it's looking like Drake has proven to be the real winner in this thus far, even though he's not having the best year to date, but that's not all on him either, in my opinion. That's a lot on the offensive line. Yeah, and you can't really expect either of these guys to go out there and light the world on fire because, like you said, the offensive line is, what, the worst in the entire NFL. But Kalen Balaj is a guy who, you know, you saw him on Twitter. People would say he's RB1, you know, whether it was a joke or whether they truly believed that. Lots of people bought into that hype of Kalen Balaj. And you look back at him coming from last year. I mean, he broke off a 70-yard run against Minnesota. Didn't really do anything else since then. I think he had a 70-yard run again in what was it, joint practices with the Buccaneers or something like that. I mean, the guy, you know, he has a one-yard gain, two-yard gain. He breaks off a 70-yard gain maybe once every, you know, 10 or 12 carries, and that keeps people thinking, you know what, maybe this is the future. I don't see it. People keep comparing him to Daniel Thomas. I mean, so far that, yeah. that, would be an in, so far that might be an insult to Daniel Thomas if we're being completely That'd be honest. That terrible. Because Kalen Balazs hasn't done much. You know, he can't catch the football. So it's definitely alarming when you, like you said, Kenny Drake's in a contract season. Might not even be here before the trade deadline. You know, if, if a team saw the value there, which they should, a guy that can go out there and make plays in the, as a receiver, as well as a running back, or as well as a rusher, I mean, that's Kenny Drake. Why not try to get some type of value for him before he leaves for free agency next year? A guy to keep an eye on, Mark Walton, Patrick Laird, those are the guys that I believe could be the next man up, you know. Maybe Mark Walton proves that he's the next, you know, starting running back in Miami if he gets the opportunities. But again, Kalen Balazs has been absolutely disappointing, and to find out that he doesn't even qualify for those stats, I mean, that right there sums up my thoughts on Kalen Balazs. Yeah, has not qualified any week thus far. And for a per-game, you know, kind of base, not great for Kalen Balaj as he tries to prove that he can handle uh, the workload in the NFL and not doing a great job thus far. We'll see if he can kind of shake that trend when the Dolphins take on the Chargers this coming Sunday. How it's, what are you looking for in this game? For me, I mean, I keep joking with my – I mean, I guess I don't really – I haven't told anybody this, but I, I kind of feel like this could be that game where the Dolphins somehow find a way to win and just get yeah. everyone hope. You know what I mean? Like, the Chargers, yeah. they're a very good team. They're a playoff-caliber team. Uh, many yeah. believe they could compete for the Super Bowl, but I, I, I would not be surprised if the Dolphins went out there and somehow came yeah. away with a victory. I mean, Dallas is very good, and they went out there and played them at least down to the wire in the first half. For me, it's Josh Rosen. See what he learned last week. See how he – you know, has a game now. He started one with Miami. You know, he has one under his belt. Let's see what they can do. I want to see the way his offensive line performs because, you know, they got Joey Bosa. I think, is Melvin Ingram still hurt? I really don't honestly know. But, you know, L.A. has a very, very good defense. The Dolphins could, you know, this could spiral out of control. I know we're big fantasy football people. I picked up the Chargers defense in every league. I, I just see that for some reason. me. Yeah, I just see them coming back some way and just, you know, the Dolphins being the Dolphins, going out there and winning this game, you know, heading into the bye, and everyone's like, oh, no, now we're going to miss out on Tua, and, you know, it's going to be this huge thing. But honestly, they're going to go out there. I'd, I'd like to see them keep it a little bit, you know, try to prevent the Chargers from scoring 31 points like the, the Cowboys went out there or, you know, like the week before with the, the Patriots or the 59 that they let Baltimore score in week one, you know. There's improvement slowly, but you want to see some of these players emerge. Taco Charlton, I mean, I can joke about how much I love that guy pre-draft, but I'd like to see him go out there and make some plays. We all saw 
Simon Clancy tweet out that, you know, this was the worst pass rush from a, a left end that I've ever seen, and he looked like he was just like a, a fish out of water. But I think yeah. there is some potential there. There's a lot of potential in this roster, and you just got to start to narrow it down and find out which guys are going to be here long term because, I mean, that's all 2019 is really about. It's, it's hopefully getting to that number one spot, you know, hopefully Rosen performs and knocks you out of that. But if he doesn't, you hope you can get to a, a – Tongue of Wailoa. I'm going to let you try to pronounce that later because I know Caruth wanted to hear you try to say it. But, I mean, if they can get him and then build around him, that would be ideal. But you need to see what other supporting cast they have because right now it just doesn't look like there's a ton of stuff to build on. You know, at the beginning of the year you had to make a Fitzpatrick, a Laramie Tunsil, a Kenny Stills, some other guy, an Albert Wilson looked pretend, like he had potential, Jakeem Grant. The list goes on and on, and they're just slowly starting to diminish. You know, Jakeem Grant's not really looking like good value at $24 million over four years. When you compare that to what Taylor Gabriel just did, he had three touchdowns in one game. I mean, Jakeem Grant might not even have that all season. It's 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 a little bit frustrating, but you understand that it's a slow, slow process. And I just want to see these guys get better each and every week because at the end of the day, that is what's going to be what's best for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I think the Dolphins may have a chance to pull this off on Sunday, and I don't know quite how to feel, but we'll see how I feel if they actually do it. They have the Chargers number. It's like the Baltimore Ravens have the Dolphins number. The Dolphins have the Chargers number. Uh, coming off, you know, a loss and traveling across the coast to Miami may not play nice to the Chargers, so we will see. And by the way, it's Tongo Viola. So Tua, Tongo Viola. Tongo Viola. I'm, I don't know. I, I think I've been saying it wrong, so I think you nailed to, it. To uh, Tongo Vailoa. I think you said to it, Dolphins fans. Yeah, I think you said it better than I do, so i, I got to shut up now. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. Anyways, Dolphins play the Chargers on Sunday. Hard Rock Stadium before their bye week. We'll see what happens, but it sounds like, you know, just kind of the Dolphins are dealing with some injuries right now. Bobby McCain dealing with an injury. Rashad Jones, Albert Wilson hopefully may get back for Sunday. And... Melvin Gordon returning for the Chargers, but I highly doubt he plays on Sunday if he does very limited action from there. Who knows what's going to happen, but we've seen Josh improvement from week to week to week, so we can expect more improvement in week four. Any last thoughts? I was going to say, maybe that was their plan all along. They went out there and just absolutely hit the bed week one, and they're just going to, you know, spin this as, you know, we heard about the, the NFL competition committee talking about yeah. whether or not they're going. And I don't know how you feel about that. Personally, I think, you know, if it hasn't happened before, it's not going to happen this year. But, again, if, you know, right. some owners or some other some other noise starts to come out and it starts to become a thing, they might look into it. But I don't right. see how they can punish the Dolphins there. But I think maybe they went out there week one, they completely laid an egg, and that's so they can show progress each and every week because, I mean, that's what we've seen. I mean, they went out there against Dallas, who some might say is better than Baltimore. You know, they're not better than New England, but they could be better than Baltimore. They went out there. And they at least competed for two quarters as yeah, good as anyone this good. season. So we can't really overlook that. But for me, again, you just want to see these guys develop, see what they can do over time. I do think the Dolphins are going to win some football games this year. I know people don't want to hear that. Yeah, but I do think will. it's going to happen inevitably. They absolutely will. I think they're. I think just the improvement so far that we've seen is just going to continue on throughout the season. I think Rose is just going to get better. When they run into an inferior opponent like the Jets or the, or the Bengals or pull off a surprise win, I think it's very possible. All right, Dolphins-Chargers on Sunday. We'll see how the Dolphins do. We'll be back with you for another group episode of Finsider Radio next week. I'll be dropping another episode of Finsider Daily on uh, Friday morning, and then we'll be back with you starting on Tuesday. For Joshua Houts, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time.
That was Big Slider Radio, part of the BigSlider.com and the SDP Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always 